0: Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, you can turn in your Bibles. we're going to be kind of in the book of 1 Samuel, kind of talking about stories uh, about Saul. We started a series a couple of weeks ago talking about real talk, and I talked about depression the first week, and uh, man, I, 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 after that message, I received a lot of messages thanking me for talking about it. A lot of people struggling right now with just everything and just how the, the overwhelming uh, feeling that's been going on, uh, whether it be cost through job, whether it be cost through relationships, whether it be caused in our nation, uh, all that stuff's going on. And so it's tough. Today we're going to deal with uh, insecurity. And when you look at the life of Saul, Saul at the very beginning had such insecurities that I believe it dictated how he responded to people throughout his entire life and his time as king, which caused him to treat people the way he did. Uh, the title of the sermon is, uh, today is Winning from the Inside Out. It's hard to win when you feel broken on inside. It's hard to win when you're insecure on the inside. Many times there's an intentional war going on from the enemy on the inside, and it's a battle tug of war, uh, telling you you're not good enough, telling yourself you're not great enough, telling yourself all these things. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, I, I've never, I know you're going to have a tough time believing this. I've never been a woman, so I, I can't speak for women. But I, I heard a story one time that a lot of times men will look in the mirror and say, man, look at that good-looking guy. Man, you are amazing. And women look in the mirror and say, oh my goodness, and they see all their flaws. And that's tough. What do you do when you just start out your day feeling so insecure, so broken, and you don't know what to do? What do you do when you feel like your life just starts that way? Nobody knows how to deal with it. It's very real. Uh, it struggles with it. And the voices in your head and in your mind uh, cloud anything else. The voices of fear, the voice, uh, they, they, they cut out the voices of, ins- uh, of encouragement, uh, and they cause you to be discouraged Here's the deal. We will never accomplish our outward purpose until we win the inward battles. So it starts on the inside. If I'm going to win what's on the outside, I've got to start with what the battle of the inside. It's those little battles in my mind before I win the big battles of the outside. It's those, and, 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 and let me just ask you this, rhetorical question out there for the congregation, for those online. How many of you have been caught lying to yourself? Because we don't want to believe things about ourselves. So we, it's the inward mindset lies that we tell ourselves that makes it hard to win the outward battles. It's those internal struggles, but they're very real. It's that uh, the outward success is always a result of inward battles that we won. Luke chapter 6, verse 45 says, A good person produces good things from a treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. So what you say flows From your heart. It's those things. The voices we believe determine the future we will experience. The voices that I believe. Am I going to believe the voice that God's telling me? And it's amazing. I can't tell you how many people in this church, and I won't even go outside this church, but there's so many in this church that says, I feel like God is wanting me to do this, but I don't feel like I, I can do it. I feel like the Lord is wanting us to start this, but I don't feel like I can do it because I'm not adequate enough. I don't speak well enough. I, don't, I can't talk in front of people. I, I don't, I'm not good enough. I'm not great enough. And, and they beat themselves up with and, and never fulfill God's calling in their life, all because of what they feel and believe about themselves on the inside. I wonder how many more great things this church could be doing if people would stop letting the negative stereotypes that they come up with in their own mind stop them from taking the first step towards doing something great. You know? What are those little things, and, and we have a little saying we, we, we say in our staff, and I didn't come up with it, we were at a, uh, uh, we went to James Rivers for their training for their, for their uh, life groups, and we wanted to kind of get a fill up before we launched them here, and so we sat in there, and uh, John Lindell said a great thing when he was teaching, uh, he says, if you've ever thought to yourself, should I or shouldn't I? So you, you think should I make that phone call or should I not make that phone call? Should I take food over to the house or should I not take food to the house? Should I should I do that or not? Always lean on the side of doing because no one ever regrets doing; they just regret not doing. And so we kind of kind of grabbed hold of that and we've talked about our staff and so many times we may not know what to do we're like should I you think I should call them or you think I should take food you think maybe we should set up food and our answer is always if the question is should you or shouldn't you always do because nobody ever regrets doing something for someone and so I wonder what would happen if you took that idea to what God's calling us for your life and you felt what God was calling you to do and you stepped out and says I'm gonna do it I'm gonna I'm gonna overcome the insecurities that I feel about myself and I'm going to launch into what God is calling me to do because here, here's the greatest thing. It's, it's, the, it's the epicenter of when he says, when I'm weak, I'm strong. Because if I could do it on my own, I don't need God. But the minute I realize I can't do it on my own, I need God. God does greater, bigger things than we could ever do on our own. When I limit to what I can do, man, we limit God. We limit God in the church. We limit God in our family. We limit God on our job, all because we narrow it down to what I can do. We have to silence the negative voices of our past to embrace the truth of God in the present. Have you ever made a mistake? Have you ever messed up? Have you ever started something that fell apart? I have. Have you ever done anything that didn't work out the way you thought it would work in your mind? I have. If you, if you let every negative thing from your past that you messed up on stop you, you will never do anything for the future. But one great thing is I'm in a great uh, place because when I read through the Scripture, Old and New Testament is full of men and women who made mistakes, and God didn't hold their mistakes to them to determine what they could do in the future. Not once did he say, Well, I was going to let you be in the lineage of Jesus, but, you know, I heard you were a prostitute over in Jericho, so that's not going to happen for you. You know what, I heard, I heard, you know, I thought you'd be a great preacher, writer. I thought, you know, I I was thinking about letting you write most of the New Testament, but I heard you kind of stoned Christians, so you're out. You know what, I think you'd be a great evangelist. In fact, I think you could see 3,000 saved in one day. But, you know, you denied me, and you said you didn't even know me, and that was after hanging out with me for three years. I think about how many times, and and it's just amazing to watch. Don't let your insecurities from your past, don't let your mistakes from your past stop you from doing something great for the kingdom of God. We need to live up to our destiny, not down to our past. So, a little uh, context in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 9, verse 10, we, we come and we see... Where the people wanted a king. They, they didn't want judges anymore. They wanted to be like all the other kingdoms. You know, they wanted a king. And so they decided to ask God for a king. And the prophet Samuel anoints Saul to be the very first king over Israel. And Samuel tells the multiple things that are going on to happen as a confirmation. And it all happened. So it all fell in. In fact, verse 9 of uh, uh, chapter uh, 9 says this. or It says, all these things were fulfilled that happened that day. So all 12 tribes come together to see who God is anointing as king and who Samuel has come to put his blessing on that God has told him to do and announce who the king is. And when the time is uh, is, is before him to announce Saul as the king, his big moment, um, it's crazy because if it was your big moment, you are about to be uh, anointed as the leader of a nation. I'm talking about so hard you couldn't even count you could hardly count their heads you were a massive leader you're going to be the head of this organization where would you be some of you identify with Saul because he was hiding among the baggage it was his big moment and he allowed his insecurities to overcome him that he said uh you got it wrong not this guy and he's hiding, he's literally, he's literally somewhere in the back hiding, not doing, uh, not ready to step up and ch- take the challenge, not ready to step up and take what God's called, him. he's hiding in the baggage. And I think about that, and I think, that seems so unreal when you read it in a story, but I think how many people that I've had conversations with, that when it was time for them to take the leadership reins that God has told them to do, instead of stepping up, they stepped out. In fact, it, you'd be surprised how many people have quit church over something because God was telling them to do more, and they felt overwhelmed and ran the other way and stopped coming. Stopped attending. All because they were so scared about what was in their stomach. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 22 through 24 says this. It says, so they asked the Lord, where is he? Talking about Saul. And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out. And this is the crazy thing. He stood head and shoulders above everyone else. He was tall. It records that he was handsome. He was a good-looking, tall guy. I mean, physically, he had everything you'd want in a leader. Then Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen to be your king. No one in all of Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, Long live the king, hiding among the baggage. Seems unreal. Why is he hiding? Why is he hiding? He has all the physical attributes. Uh, He had all the natural things you would want as a leader. He could speak well. He He could, I mean, he had everything you want, but he was listening to the voices in his head and still of the voices that God was directing him to. God says, I've called you for such a time as this, and and all he heard was, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not worthy enough, I'm not the guy, and his insecurities literally stopped him from doing anything. Listen, I am so glad that God's not consulting your past to decide what he wants to do with your future. We, We have this thing, we say, no perfect people allowed. The idea is that so many people have come into this church, And they just felt like they couldn't do anything. They just felt like they messed up too much. They made too many mistakes. But you know what? The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's it's in our repentance as God's grace covers, his mercy covers us, that that, that we have any right to do anything. And so when God calls you, he equips you. And God gives you what you need. And I believe in such a season like this, when we are coming out of a pandemic, we're coming coming into a world that is... uh, anti-church, anti-religion, anti-God, it's a great time for us to start launching and doing things for the kingdom of God, to to witness, to be a mission field to people that are hurting in this world, and instead we're withdrawing and we feel more inadequate and insecure than ever before. So God is wanting to do something, and here's what he does. And so I'm gonna give you four key struggles we we struggle with, because this is what I believe that Saul struggled with. And in First Samuel chapter 9, <clears throat> verse 20 and 21, it says, And I am here to tell, uh, tell you all, all that, that your family, sorry, I, I, let me do that again. And I am here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all of his, Israel's hope. I'm just going to stop right there and say that's a lot of pressure. You know? I mean, think about it. I think a lot of people don't realize it, but when you say, when you look over at your spouse and says, you're my happiness, you're my, that's a lot of pressure. You're Israel's hope. If you mess up, you are it. Verse 21, Saul's reply was, but I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel, and my family is the least important among all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking like this to me? Why are you asking me to do this? Why are you asking me to do this? I'm the least. I'm not, I'm not from a big family. I'm not, I haven't been here all my life. I didn't grow up in the area. I didn't do other stuff. Why are you looking at me? He says, why? Here's the deal. The very first struggle we face is we feel inferior. It's that idea that we feel less than. It's that idea that I'll never measure up. I'll never be good enough. I'll never be great enough. I, I, I feel so inferior, I just can't do it. I remember when Sondra and I talked about her taking on the on the women's ministry. She said, uh, "You're talking to the wrong person. I'm the helper. (laughs) I help anybody. I'll uh, listen. Let me show up early, set up tables. Let me do you know all that stuff. I do not need to be up front. Uh, I'll tell you, Sandra, uh, (laughs) and I'm not just saying this because she's my wife. She's a great leader who doesn't ever desire to be a leader." My wife is humble, meek, and loving, and caring. She cares about people, and she cares about this church, and she cares about the women of this church, and she is absolutely an amazing girl's ministry leader. But the only reason, yeah, you can give her a hand clap. But I'm telling you right now, if God didn't call her, she wouldn't do it at all. In fact, she would never do it. It's only because I believe that God called her. And I remember the conversation where she finally said, all right, I feel like I was talking to me. I was like, thank you. <laughs> it was, it's amazing. But, but i will tell you, she's not the only one. I didn't ask other people if I could share their stories, but I've got people in mind even right now that I'm trying not to tell because it's your story to tell. But there, I can't tell you how many ministries are started in this church by people who don't feel like they should be leading a ministry because they feel so unworthy, so insecure, feel so much less than. See, we see our inability, God sees our ability. What is the destiny you are hiding from all because you feel or felt inferior? God gave his approval of you long before he ever said anything. In fact, Jeremiah 1.5, we've read this several times before. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet for the nations. Listen, God knew you before you were even born. God can set you apart. God can call you, put his hand, his anointing upon you long before. He can affirm you way before you have any proven potential that you've ever shown. We must have the confidence in who we are. We are are a child of the king. In fact, 1 Peter 2, 9 says, But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as people, but you are now God's people. I love it in the message. It says it like this. But you are ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of the priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference he made in you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Man, that's us. From the light and, and, and day, darkness. Man, I could share this because uh, Carlene already shared it on our, our miracle night. But man, from from drug addict, from drug cooker to retiring from it and giving everything over to God and serving God faithfully here every week. She comes, and and I'm telling you, she is an example to those who see her. It's an amazing thing. I mean, we could go through person after person and person and just talk about what God has done in people's lives. It's a true example. You are the best Bible that most people read. Because before they ever pick up the Scriptures, they're going to read your life. We're not just saved for a ticket in heaven. We become family. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 7 through 9 says this. This was their song. This is great when you're feeling insecurity. Saul has killed his thousands. That's awesome. But David killed his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What is this, he said? They credit David with ten thousand and me with only a thousand? Next, they'll make him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a very jealous eye on David. Here's the second struggle. We all, we we have a tendency to struggle with insecurity. Saul's insecurity, inferior complex, caused him to be very jealous of other people. He measured himself. In fact, he looked at David and measured himself to it and says, oh, he thinks he's better than me. In fact, Saul would be tormented by spirits. I think when we struggle with certain things and we don't allow God to speak in our life, we open ourselves up to things. That's a whole other sermon in itself. But he would be tormented by spirits, the Bible says, and, and David would come in and play his harp to soothe, soothe him. But when David heard this, I mean, when Saul heard this, all of a sudden he goes from being soothed to chunking spears while David's playing the harp at him. Insecurity will cause you to. Lash out at other people. It'll cause you to go after. When, when Saul compared himself to David, he felt insecure. He said, I can't measure up. I, I can't even believe that. The lie that he believed is compared to everyone else, you don't measure up, you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough, talented enough, wealthy enough, you're just not enough. Stephen Furtick in one of his messages said this. One of the main reasons we struggle with insecurity is we, com- we are comparing our behind-the-scenes with everyone else's highlight reels. We're comparing our behind-the-scenes with everyone else's highlight reels. We're comparing with what we do and how we do things behind-the-scenes to everybody else's best moments. Their Instagram best, their Facebook best, their, their Twitter best, and we're looking at them and says, man, I'm not like them. They, they do everything. They get to have all the fun. Man, they're always doing something great. I'll never be that. Insecurities make us wonder about our self-image. They make us wonder about our abilities, our future, our past, our relationships, our walk with God. Insecurities feed into everything we do. We must have the confidence in what we can do through Christ who strengthened us, not in our own ability. Philippians 4.13 says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. This isn't the scripture that's for the ball games where we're going to beat this team because God's going to give us more strength than he cares about that other team. God likes us more than he does Mountain Home. You know? Uh, God likes Texas A&M more than he likes the Razorbacks. Well, yesterday he didn't show that, but I just knew after yesterday's game the offering was going to be great. Everybody's in a good mood today. Just kidding. But not about being in a good mood. But um, it, It's one of those things, but here, here's the deal. We, we, we go through these things, but we've got to understand it's God who gives us strength to overcome what? Those insecurities, those, those, those mind battles, those, those spiritual battles, those, those things that we're going through emotionally at work, at home, those things that we're dealing with with our, with our, our kids, with our parents, <clears throat> with our other family members. Philippians 1.6 says, and I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. God isn't finished with you. If he started it, he'll finish it. If he spoke it to you, do it. If it's a God thing, nothing on earth can, 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 can prevent you. It doesn't mean there won't be struggles. It doesn't mean there won't be roadblocks. It doesn't mean there won't be problems. He never said the road would be easy. Right. <laughs> But but you can make it. In fact, anybody in this room that has done anything at all for the kingdom of God did it with great adversity against them. But their purpose was greater than their problem. That wasn't even in my notes. That's just good. You should write that down. Their purpose was greater than their problem. When you have a purpose, you'll run through a battlefield. You'll run into a burning building. You'll do whatever it takes when your purpose is bigger than your problem. I'm telling you, there are people all over. This whole room is filled with great leaders and great men and women who have served God, who have fought good battles. In leadership, we always say, don't follow a leader without a limp. You need someone who's been through a battle. You know, you want to you follow someone who's got a little scarring because they've been through something. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. So we can say with confidence the Lord is my helper so I have no fear what can mere people do to me if you knew there was zero chance of failure what would you do what would you do what, what would you do if you knew there was zero chance that you could fail at it listen we are told so many times that we're inadequate that's the third one you can write that down we are told so many times we're inadequate you're not good enough, you can't do it, you'll never live up, you lack the ability to do it, so why even try? All of these things plague our mind. The angel appears to Gideon. You remember Gideon was supposed to go fight, and, and, and he keeps, the Lord keeps reducing the army, and he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And he's like, yeah, but you made the army leave, so where's the army? But the Lord is with you, mighty, uh, with you, mighty warrior. Uh, yeah, but there's not many. There's only 300 of us left because you told me to send everybody else home. You don't feel like a mighty warrior when there's more at, at your face than behind your back supporting. Gideon's response in Judges chapter 6, verse 15, says this. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan, or my people, my family, is the weakest in the whole tribe's of Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Sound familiar? God has equipped and empowered you for his purpose. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 and 21 says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory be to him forever. Amen. Here's the fourth thing we struggle with. We struggle with intimidation. We're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 15. So as we look at there, I want you to see how intimidation affected and impacted King Saul from the very beginning. Verse 1, it says, One day Samuel said to Saul, it was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people, Israel. Now listen to his message, or listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's army has declared. I have uh, decided to settle an account with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire army are uh, the entire uh, Amaleki nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goat, camels, and donkeys. He says, wipe them out. Don't leave anything. Wipe down the, the, the animals, the crops, the armies. Take everything out. Verse 8. He captured Agag, the Amalek king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep, the goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs. The Lord told him to destroy everything. What does he do? He destroys everything but what's good. Well, I'll destroy that, but I really like that. Isn't that kind of the way we do? God's dealing with just things. God, I'm going to get rid of every sinful thing. I'm going to get rid of every bad thing out of my life, except for this, because I really like that. And I, and I really like this. And and, and this is really fun. And, and, you know, I know I shouldn't have bad friends in my life, but, you know, they're really good on the inside somewhere. I haven't I seen it yet, but somewhere I'm sure they're good for me. But it said he keeps everything. In fact... Uh, It says he kept everything. In fact, that appealed to him. They destroyed only what was worthless and of poor quality. Verse 11, chapter 15. God said, I am sorry I ever made you king. For he has not been loyal to me, and he has refused to obey my commands. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. I can't even imagine because Saul was so insecure and couldn't step up, he couldn't, couldn't accomplish what God was doing. He, he, he did what, what he wanted to do. He was, he was so intimidated about what other people were going to think because we're fixing to read. He was so intimidated about what people were saying about him that he did what they wanted to do and went along with the crowd. And God looks at him and says, I'm sorry I ever made you king. It's terrible. Verse 17, it says, and Samuel told him, although you think little of yourself, you're insecure, you're inferior. Are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission, and he told you, go completely destroy the sinners, uh, the the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul begins to defend what he did. And here's Saul's reasoning in verse 24. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, Yes, I have sinned, I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command, for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. But now please forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel replied, I will not go back with you since you have rejected the Lord's command. He has rejected you as king of Israel. Wow. Intimidation caused him to conform to what the people around him wanted him to do. It altered his direction. Peer pressure. Uh, What happens when you don't fit in? You don't belong. You're not one of us. And so he conformed to what was going on. Man, that's tough. Here's the truth. God has called us to be bold and courageous in the spite of what's going on around us. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Immediately, let me just tell you this, intimidation is dependence upon yourself. And God wants us to turn that around to be dependent upon him. It's funny when we say, cast all your cares. Lay everything down upon God. It's funny when it, we, we hear this thing like, like just trust God and let him lead you. Because in our mind, in the perfect setting, we like, sure. Because in our mind, we always think that God is moving our direction. <laughs> because we were raised in church. And we were raised in church, and what we do, what we say, what we believe, the direction we go must be the direction God wants. But what happens when God alters course and you fight him on it? I believe right now, I believe in this place, there are a lot of people who are struggling just like Saul. But I also believe this, that God has called you for such a time as this, and I'm asking you today, don't fight God on what he's calling you for. The greatest ministries of this church have yet to be started. The greatest outreach tools that have come out of this church have yet to be launched. The great in fact, what great opportunities are all around the corner that that, that haven't even been thought of. Nobody thought of Camping for Jesus until this past year, and then God birthed it in, in the ballard's heart, and now it's a, a thing that's grown and God's doing great things through the kingdom and reaching people and and, and, and people are 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 bringing other friends and stuff through through pathways that would have never been thought of just by a bunch of people in an office one day. What ministry, uh, ministries, what missions outreach, what things are, are in this room that God has put in your heart but we are too scared to step out and do? God wants us to step out of the norm and do something bold and dramatic. Listen, I believe, and whether you believe it or not, I believe it, that God is coming back soon. And what we do with the time that is left, will answer for I'm believing that God wants us to reach as many people as we can. I believe our job as the church is to load heaven and unload hell to the best of our ability. Confidence with God is the cure for intimidation. Compared to God, you don't have to be intimidated. When God's on your side, you don't have to be intimidated. In direct context, look at David. Saul hiding among the baggage from the very beginning. David goes and visits his brother, just a teenage boy, on the battlefield and in direct contradiction to Saul's life, the opposite of, he sees a giant come down and challenge and everybody around him is scared and David has a different mentality than everybody else around him. He says, I fought the lion and God was with me and I fought the bear and God was with me. So if God was with me on those things when I was fighting the battles on my own, with just me and him, he'll be with me now. So he wasn't looking at the giant through his size, he was looking at the giant through God. And he even said, who are you, you uncircumcised to come against our God? And we know how the story ends. Most people who were never raised in church know the story about David and Goliath. They used it as sports analogy. It's a David and Goliath scenario. The great powerful team versus the underdog. David on the natural looked like an underdog. But the, but the difference is David didn't see himself, he saw God. Saul saw what he could do, he was intimidated. I believe there's some Davids in here. I believe if we could get the heart of David in this place and we could launch out, we could do some great things. Listen, do something, start a Bible study on your job. Start a Bible study at the school, start a Bible study at the hospital, start a Bible study, do something small, do something in your home, launch out, do a ministry that nobody's ever thought of and reach people that in a way that nobody's ever thought of all because God has put it in your heart because God doesn't want you to do what I've done or what other people have done. He wants to use your gifts, your talent, your strengths, and use that to the best of his ability. I'm going to ask everybody to stand in here. Listen, we're about to leave and all that. I get that. Listen, but through these next few weeks and through last week, I believe in here, There's people that are really struggling. A few weeks ago, we talked about depression. I've got multiple messages talking about people saying they were struggling with that. Thank you so much for talking about it. But, but listen, I know what it's like. The struggle with feeling down, anxiety, fear. I get it. I understand that. Last week, Brother Dave came in here, and he talked, man, about overcoming great adversity when everything was against him. Today, we're talking about insecurity and how you deal with these things and how you overcome, and, and, and though these battles rage on in your mind and in your heart, how do you overcome them? And win the battle from within. Listen, if God has been speaking to you over the last few weeks, I'm going to challenge you. Begin today by starting to give it to God. Give it to God. You can do that at your seat. As the worship team comes in, you can come to the front. We have altars at the front. You can kneel at the front. You can stand. Whatever you feel like, whatever posture you feel like God's leading you to. Some of us need to step out. Some of it I just believe we've been so afraid of people looking at us that God's saying, I want you to step out and just walk to the front, just raise your hands and just give it to God. If you'll give it to me, God, I'll take you over from here. But whatever God's calling you to, I'm going to pray over you. And as soon as I pray, the worship team's going to come, the altar's going to be open. And if you want to come and pray, if you want to step out, if you want to pray at your seat, that's fine. But if you're feeling God's leading you, come to the front, I'm telling you, God wants to touch you, heal you, be right where you are. I am less concerned about the number of people who walk down than I am about the condition of your heart when you leave. I don't need to pad numbers for a, 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 a whatever. What I do care about is the people in this room that want to make a difference and change for God and that they've been fighting the battle within and the enemy's been attacking them. I'm telling you, I care about you and God does too. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, you see every, Lord, intimidation. You see every fear. You see every struggle in this place. God, Lord, I am asking you right now, Lord, to do what only you can do. Lord, I am asking you to uh, touch hearts today, touch minds, touch spirits. God, I'm asking you for those that are struggling with depression, God, that they would realize that you can, Lord, lead them and bring relief, that they're not alone, that there are many people struggling right now. And, God, Lord, we have professionals that can help, but, Lord, spiritually, I want you to begin right now to heal their heart and their mind and their spirit. God, Lord, I pray right now for those that are struggling, Lord, with the battle within, those mind battles. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to move forward. They don't know how to step forward. Lord, I'm praying we're putting in your hands today. Lord, I believe that out of this room, God, you're going to do great things. Lord, you're our strength. You're our comfort. You're our hope. And today we put everything in your hands. In Jesus' name.